For those of you who don't know me, my name is Heath Cummings. It is so good to be here with you. For those of you who do know me, you know why I'm so happy to be here. I think this is the third time I've been here on a Sunday morning in the last six months. Um, so if you just started coming to church here, welcome, even if it was five months ago. The reason I missed this so much is because I'm a fantasy football analyst at CBS Sports. Yeah, that's a real job. Uh, and my job requires me to be in the office Sunday mornings during football season. On that note, I want to take a moment at the start here to highly recommend the Wednesday night Bible study that starts this week. Last fall, that was just about the only time that I got in this building with this ecclesia, and it was, it was such a blessing. We went through two studies, both biblical, both really easy to press into your day-to-day -day life. And when I say biblical, I don't want to exclude anybody. There was a wide range of faith and belief in this room on Wednesday nights, and I think that's what made the conversation so good. I know personally I developed friendships during those Wednesday night meetings. We laughed a lot, maybe cried a little, had some really good snacks. It's good for the soul, so I hope to see you here this Wednesday. Back to me, I can't remember a time that I did not believe in Jesus. Thanks, Mom. I grew up knowing he loved me. He died for my sins. I was baptized right about the same time I hit puberty. Unfortunately, puberty had a much bigger impact on my outward behavior than the baptism did at first. Even more unfortunately, that lasted a lot longer than it should have. While I was in church regularly and serving occasionally, I wasn't really different until March of 2020 when the whole world stopped. There were no sports to watch or talk about, so I spent a lot more time reading, both my Bible and other books. I spent more time praying and meditating, and my life hasn't been the same since. God has grabbed a hold of me and continues to do new things. I've become an elder here at Hammock Street. I lead our outreach ministry. Neither of those things would have made any sense to me at all five years ago. I read my Bible, pray, and meditate almost every day. I wake up earlier than I have to just to do it. And I'm not saying that out of an obligation or to brag because I'm doing something good. These are things I actually want to do now. I enjoy 6 a.m. with coffee and my Bible. It's many days my favorite part of the day. If that sounds strange to you, it's still a little strange to me. But the main reason I say I'm not bragging is I don't have anything to brag about. Because like Paul says in Romans 7.15, too often I can say, for what I am doing I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Or again in Romans 7.19, for the good that I want I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. It's a little lonely up here, so I'm going to ask, can anyone else relate to that? If you can relate, I'd like you to take just a moment to think specifically about that one thing, and there may be more than one, but the one thing that you do that you do not want to do, or maybe that you should be doing, but you aren't. Name it, not out loud, just in your heart, in your head, because today's scripture can be pressed directly into our lives if we'll let it. I can say that with confidence because I've been pressing into mind as I prepared this message. And I invite you to do the same today. 
Now, I can stand up here and tell you that God has changed my heart. He has me doing things I never dreamt of even wanting to do, like talking to you today. But still, like Paul, what a wretched man I am. Looking back, it makes perfect sense to me why I sinned so much for so much of my life. I wasn't trying to do anything different. I was in sin, and it didn't really bother me. Now, well, as C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. It's more than a little frustrating. And I can't decide if it's more frustrating or encouraging that Paul felt the same way. If Paul couldn't keep from sinning, what hope do I have? Well, the same hope he had. The same hope you do. Jesus. That's our only hope. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me before we get started? Father God, we thank you for gathering us here today. Thank you for the people in this room, for the people watching online. Thank you for these words, for this scripture. We pray you'd bless us today to hear your word, to be changed by it, and then to go change the world. Amen. Well, I started in Romans 7. We're going to focus most of today on Romans 6, specifically verses 9 through 13. But first, a quick recap. Two weeks ago, Pastor Russell introduced this series by guiding us through some very weighty stuff, mostly about what's wrong with us, sin. He told us that sin is a noun, a real thing, that leads to a verb, sinning. He told us that sin came through Adam, that we were all born into it. But he also told us that Jesus offered a new way, that we could live our lives to Jesus, that we could live our lives to Jesus, and instead of being in sin, we could live a new life in Jesus. And while we can't beat sin by ourselves, we can't try to be like Jesus. We can allow Jesus to live in us and live a new life free from the power of sin. That salvation and justification that came through Jesus are not just about what happens when we die, but can change our life now. Then last week, we went through the first part of Romans 6. We read Paul's description of how we're to die to sin with Jesus now that we are in Jesus. I particularly enjoyed the analogy at the end that we are like an orphan being adopted into a new family. Sin, like the orphanage, no longer has any say in our behavior. We have a new father because we are in Jesus. We all declared together last week that sin is not our master, that we're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This week, we're going to talk about staying dead to sin through Jesus. Let's just read through today's main passage together once, and then we'll dissect it one part at a time. It's, again, Romans 6, verse 9 through 13. I'll be reading from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible Translation. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. 
And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, some of this should sound familiar. As Pastor Russell read a few of those verses last week. And some of it should sound familiar to believers, or at least the idea that Paul's trying to get across. Paul was saying at the beginning of those verses, 9 and 10 specifically, Jesus rose from the dead, so he won't die again. That death isn't his master, because he has no master. He died to defeat sin, and he rose and reigns with his Father forever. It took reading Charles Spurgeon last week for me to see this, but verse 9 and 10 are a good summary of the gospel. Not all of it, but a good chunk. Jesus, the Messiah, came to die for our sins, rose from the grave, defeating death and sin, and lives forever with God the Father. In today's message, I want to highlight the fact that he died to sin once for all. That's what we're talking about today. How we can die to sin once and for all, as opposed to the back and forth that Pastor Russell's talked about the last two weeks. Because we know we're supposed to die to sin and live for God. As I said from the top, even Paul was still battling sin. We know we aren't supposed to sin or obey our lusts, but again, how do we accomplish that? We know we should present our body to God, not to sin, but that doesn't really make the application any easier. The challenge for me was not in understanding these passages, but applying them. Yes, Paul, I know I should not let sin reign in my mortal body, but how? Pastor Russell got us started last week by having us declare sin is not our master. I don't know about you, but I thought it was pretty powerful to hear all of us saying that together. And I could use a little bit of that power right now. So let's do it again. Sin is not my master. Please join me. Sin is not my master. That word master is uncomfortable for a lot of good reasons. And I think it might help to use Jesus' words here. In Matthew 6.24, he says, No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's not a stretch at all to say you also cannot serve God and sin. Now, I know where I live, and I know in America, and especially in Florida, we are awfully big on freedom. I love freedom. Jesus died to make us free. But freedom doesn't change the fact that in the words of the poet and songwriter Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. Dylan wrote this song as part of his first Christian album, titled Slow Train Coming. Funny enough, he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal talking about his faith life two months ago. It's pretty cool. Anyway, here's the first verse in the chorus from that 1979 hit. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Whether you're rich or poor, no matter what country you represent, no matter your physical strength, you're going to have to serve somebody. And if you think you're your own master, then you're just choosing to serve sin because we're all born in sin. And to us, being our own boss sounds very appealing. The problem is, in this regard, 
it's a lie. The truth is you'll serve whatever you crave. It may be alcohol, drugs, lust, money, power, some other trick the devil uses that suits you best, but you won't be in control. Your desire will be. You're going to have to serve somebody. Declaring that sin is not your master is a great start in determining who you're going to serve. Declaring that God is your master is as well. If you're serving God, you won't be serving sin, and that goes both ways. Of course, declaring isn't quite enough. You've also got to make a decision. That's where verse 12 comes in. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Therefore, because sin is not your master, don't let it reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. In other words, why would you obey something you just said was not your master? I think this is a good time to remember who Paul wrote this letter to and where they lived. This is the church in Rome. That word reign, which meant to rule over as king, to exercise kingly power, that probably tickled their ear a bit differently than it does for us. They were living under the Roman emperor Nero. He is reported to, at one point, have burned Christians alive for a fire they weren't responsible for. These people who first received this letter knew the unlimited power that came with the word reign. They saw it up close on a daily basis. And Paul was flipping that power on its head. You must not let. What does let have to do with reign? They were used to someone reigning over them whether they let them or not. Now they get to choose? How is that possible? What Paul says is because Jesus already died to sin. If we're in him, we've died to sin as well. So yes, we get to choose. We get to choose not to obey sin. It may be easier to understand this if we look at one of Paul's earlier letters to the Galatians, specifically the first verse of chapter 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Paul was writing to the Galatians about being free from the law of circumcision, but he would not have seen a difference between being free from that law and being free from sin. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, so that we get to choose whether to be in sin, under the law, or in Christ. Without him, we have no power to choose. Through him, as Paul said in another letter, we can do all things. Now, is it possible to live sin-free in this lifetime? I have not figured out how. Paul had not either. But the difference is in who you obey. Who is your master? Is it Jesus living in you and you fall short on occasion because you're still in your flesh? Or is it sin reigning in you and you're trying like heck to fight it but can't seem to win? That's one of the things I discovered as I prepared this message. If I'm still trying to overcome sin by following rules or being better, I'm still playing by sin's rules. Jesus died and took away sin's powers, partially now and fully when he returns. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside us. I can come, I can overcome sin through him, but not on my own. I can overcome sin if I claim God as my master, but only by deciding which master to serve and letting Jesus live through me and I in him. 
That's the biggest difference between me five years ago and me today. As I said earlier, I was quite comfortable in sin. I was pretty good at it. Even though I believe Jesus died for those sins, I hate to say it, but it's almost like I took that as a free pass. I was not letting Christ reign in my life. I was saved. I was going to heaven when I died. It did not seem to matter my behavior. I think verse 13 helps with that, and that's where I want to spend the rest of our time together. Like I said, these verses are harder, harder to digest, but I believe 13 helps with 12 and with the entire passage. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. I'm going to stop halfway through this verse, talk to the people younger than me that are here today. There are a lot more of you than there used to be. Some of you are even kind of old, which is weird because I know I'm not old yet. But anyway, I want to get real practical with the first half of this verse. Paul often made the point when he was preaching to the Jews of telling them how he was one of the best Jews, trained by the right people, followed all the laws, enforced all the laws, prosecuted those who didn't. What they were doing, he'd done better. If you were someone in your teens or 20s or 30s who's still lost in sin, I can talk to you the same way. Whatever you've got going on, I would guess I did worse or better in sin's eyes. There are a few who out me. Please do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. Because it's 100% true, Jesus will forgive you, he will redeem you, he still loves you despite your sin. That does not mean there won't be consequences. And I'm not even talking about worldly consequences like jail, divorce, bankruptcy, those things could happen. I'm talking about your soul. Those sins of my youth that I allowed to reign are the temptations I asked Jesus to fight for me now. And the more of them you expose yourself to now, the harder it's going to be later. You can save your 40-year-old self a lot of pain by choosing to live in Christ now and not waiting as long as I did. And there's a better reason than that. Do not go on presenting the member of your bodies to sin as instruments of righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now again, we're back to who you're going to serve. And so if you're growing tired of the serve-master dynamic, if you need a little more power, I'm going to help. The word translated twice in verse 13 as instruments can also be translated as tools or weapons. We're going to stick with weapons for a minute. You have weapons in a war that is ongoing between God and sin. Yes, Jesus guaranteed victory on the cross. He defeated death. He is and was and always will be. We know how the war ends, but it's pretty clear looking at the world today, the war is still going. Sin is still winning battles every day in this world. There's no shortage of signs of that. So who do you want to devote your body members as weapons to? To sin as weapons of unrighteousness? Or to God as weapons of righteousness? Well, God doesn't need our help. He's all-powerful. He doesn't need anything at all. He does allow us to fight on his side. He also allows us to fight on the other side. That's free will. So again, you get the choice. You can choose to live in sin and make sin more abundant in this world. 
You can choose to live in Christ and make Christ more abundant in this world. That seems like an easy choice, especially if you're the pragmatic type and you'd like to be on the winning side when this comes to an end. We know who wins. So yes, spiritual warfare in this world right now is real. And Paul is telling you to fight on God's side, not sins, because you can make a real impact in your own life and the life of those around you if you choose to live in Christ. But I do want to go back to why I said verse 13 helps with verse 12, with everything really. It's because God and sin are so oppositional. Presenting the members of your body to God as instruments of righteousness helps you stop presenting them to sin. Let's start with our brain, maybe the most powerful member of our body. If I fill my brain with the word of God, there's less room for sinful thoughts. If I'm memorizing scripture, I may have to force a few fantasies out of my head to make room. If I'm using my eyes to read scripture, I'm not looking at something I shouldn't. If I'm listening to Christian music, sermons, or podcasts, I'm not listening to the music that changes me for the worse. I'm not listening to gossip or to political pundits intent on making me hate my neighbor. If I'm using my hands to serve God at a neighborhood cleanup or a food drive or by making valentines for local seniors, that's time I'm not using my hands to bring harm to myself or others. If I'm using my fingers, my thumbs, to bring the love of God through social media, I'm not using them to spew hate. This goes beyond our physical body. What about your power and your influence? You're either using those as instruments of righteousness or unrighteousness. How about your money? I thought for a long time, as soon as I rein my spending in, I'll start giving more. You know what helps control my spending? Giving the first of it to God. I don't have as much left to spend on unrighteousness. I could go on and on, but it should be clear. One of the benefits of using this body to glorify God is you won't be using it to do what the flesh wants you to do. That's a real-life application of letting Christ live in you. And when you do, you'll find that he both fights sin for you and keeps you busy so you don't have as often to fight it. Going back to where we started, in March of 2020, one of the first books I read during the shutdown was a book called The Day the Revolution Began by N.T. Wright. It's a tough book to read, and I didn't agree with every word. But it was the first time I really got the concept that Pastor Russell's mentioned multiple times in this sermon series. That Christianity is not just about what happens when you die. It's also about what Jesus did on the cross that impacts your life right now. Wright writes, Jesus died for our sins, not so that we could sort out abstract ideas, but so that we having been put right, could become part of God's plan to put the whole world right. That's how the revolution works. And in the verses we've been studying the last two weeks, Paul gives us some instructions on how to set about doing that. Andy Stanley simplifies it by giving us an alliteration. Who doesn't love those? Declare, decide, devote. We talked about declare last week. And Russell mentioned the research that suggests our brain is changed by affirmations like, sin is not my master, saying it out loud. Did you try it last week? I think it works. I'm not going to stop doing it. In the morning when I first wake up, but especially if I feel tempted, 
or even after I've fallen short, that might be the most important time. Even though I just sinned, sin is not my master. Because that's when I'm vulnerable, when I failed to live up to what God has for me. It's easy for me to let one sin become six. After we declare, we follow Paul's instructions in verse 12. Do not let sin reign. We decide not to let sin reign in our bodies. We decide that we will let Christ reign in our bodies. We recognize what a blessing it is that Jesus died on the cross so that we could have this decision. So that we could be free. We honor his sacrifice by choosing to live in him instead of in sin. Finally, we devote the members of our body as instruments of righteousness to God. We devote our hearts and minds and souls. We devote our eyes, lips, and ears. We devote our hands and feet, and especially our thumbs and fingers. We even devote our time, our money, and our influence. We present them to God as those alive from the dead. And living in Christ, alive to God, we stay dead to sin. As we finish up today, I invite you to go back to that thing you named earlier. That thing you do that you do not want to do. Can you declare this week that that thing is not your master? Can you decide not to let that thing reign in your body? Think about the members of your body that are involved. Can you devote them to God as instruments of righteousness? In Christ you can. Amen? Pray with me, please. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for your son who died for our sins. We thank you for your spirit who lives in us. We pray that we take this word into your world this next week and beyond and do what you have us to do and be more who you made us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.